just know that when you see this heart rate gets over 190, I'm not dying. Oh, no. <laughs> you said over 190? You might as well push it to 200 at that point. I have. Don't worry. Jesus. Is it because you can't get a lot of oxygen to those chicken legs? <laughs> <laughs> were sore wait are we talking about harlan's lower body strength because i've seen his legs <laughs> and i gotta say <laughs> what is this? This is the second person who's shit on your chicken legs man like <laughs> he has been in the room for exactly 15 seconds had zero zero context for the conversation and went oh, are we shitting on fucking chicken legs yeah. McGee over here that's amazing so I was at work. I was at work the other day, and uh, I was just talking about um, working out and stuff like that. And I was like, "Yeah, I need to get back in the gym." I'm like, so "Somebody was like, well, you carry it really well.'" And I was like, "Oh, thanks and everything, but it's because you don't really get to see my my legs. They're really small." And I was wearing shorts, and she looked at him, and she was just laughed. And I was just like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the Gimme the Loot Podcast, the Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition actual play podcast with more Macho Man Randy Savage references than probably any other actual play out there. Brother. My name's Turner. I'll be your Dungeon Master and voice of pre, mid, and post-show announcements and will, for the near future, be referring to myself both on this podcast and in real life as, Hi, I'm Turner, as heard on the Conan O'Brien Podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. We sincerely appreciate you making time for us in your busy podcast listening schedule. And hey, as always, a special thank you to our patrons who invest in the show to help us make bigger and better content and who in return receive even more hot Todd on Moyle action. No, seriously, we do like video tournaments where the guys fight each other. That's not what is, what do you were you what is wrong with you people? Yeah. If you want to get a real grasp of the width and girth of the bonus content that our patrons are getting, hang out after the episode for more details and a special shout out to our supporters. So after a particularly confusing and surprisingly wrestling laden visit to the Dragonborn Hold, the party finally heads off into the swamp towards Moyle's stabilizing agent. As always, we want to remind you that Gimme Dilute is not a family-friendly show due to a mix of crude humor, profanity, fantasy violence, and gore. Any additional content warnings will be in the show notes below. And hey, speaking of warnings, we're not out of the woods on COVID yet. Despite some positive news about increased vaccination rates, the Delta variant is still a threat. So if you're not vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you have to go out, wear a mask. Be careful. Be safe for yourself and for others. It doesn't take much to be a better hero than the party of five. Here's your chance. So with that said, on with the show. And we are back for another episode with the party of five. It's your boy Harlem McKenzie playing Todd the Tiefling, your favorite bounty hunter's favorite bounty hunter, a.k.a. Todd We Trust, a.k.a. T-O-double-D, taking over D&D. There we go. That's it. This is uh, Andrew playing Moyo Mossberg. Oh, that's it. <laughs>
It's just, sorry. It's keeping you on your toes. I guess. This is Jamie playing Eldrin Thaneros, the ranger who may have a subconscious hatred of owls. This is Jazz playing Fate, the mage who helps everyone turn the page on the story we're trying to tell here. And this is Anthony playing Baba, the barbarian. It it doesn't help if you explain him, Chaz. Just as a rule of thumb, like if like if you if you feel like you have to follow through with an explanation, then just it didn't work. Yeah, it just didn't work. No, that's fine. Just let it die on the table. It's okay. <laughs> I tried. Man. It out I there. tried. I think you should resurrect it a few more times. <laughs> <laughs> that's your job, Moyle. <laughs> he he didn't know that until you just told him that. <laughs> I keep looking at you know, Revivify, and I'm like, hmm, I haven't had it so far. There's more interesting spells. You need to have that thing on you at all times. What are you doing? <laughs> I guess he could have it not on him if we're not like in imminent danger. No, you always keep revo. When are we not? When are we not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you guys are always exactly. in imminent danger. Let me just be perfectly clear. If if anything from each other, <laughs> yeah, that's as true. last episode proved. <laughs> <laughs> as last episode proved, as you guys reached the uh, the Dragonborn Hold, Moyle's ancestral home, uh, discovered that Moyle was the fantasy version of the Lindbergh baby and was welcomed back with open arms for a solid good five minutes before his father, who was the inventor of dracking a new oil drilling methodology, which was potentially driving some lizard folks off of his homes, learned that Moyle was an adventurer by trade. Uh, he rejected his son's return and you guys were promptly ushered out of the Dragonborn Hold, not before you stopped along the way and had a brief wrestling match on the third story balcony of the uh, of the Hold interior. But due to a spectacular fashion, you were celebrated by the hard partying Dragonborns and we ended the episode with everybody passed out in the Winamajo, except for a lone scarred female turtle who was doing the walk of shame to creep out into the morning. So we wake we start the next day with you guys waking up all a little hungover in the Winamajo in this parking lot outside of this massive butte the feast of Bahumat still rages on the entertainer's tent village is still set up and they they continue to do their backstage prep before heading into the city to entertain the dragonborn occasionally you'll see a random copper dragonborn wander out and uh, engage with the entertainers before heading back in this is your opportunity to do la- any last minute prep before you guys head off onto the swamp and then we'll get into the mechanics of exactly how this swamp journey is going to work. Do you want to do the Do you want to go look for the uh, fortune teller, Andrew? Yeah, okay. You can absolutely head into the entertainer tent town and see if you can find a fortune teller. Okay. Is anybody going to go with Moyle? Moyle has the desire to see if he can find a soothsayer before you guys head off into the swamp. Or you guys want to just do your kind of last minute prep while he goes and looks for the fortune teller. I kind of want to see how this plays out. I'm going to go with him. I will tag along, but I am making notes of what I am studying throughout the town. Uh, Todd is trying on different outfits to see if they go with these waiters that he has. That's <laughs> <laughs> very Todd. So, very it Todd. is very Todd. Right. <laughs> Todd doesn't stop Todding. <laughs> You head into the backstage tent area, Moyle, and wander around for a good 15, 20 minutes, winding your way through bards, jugulars, juggalos, winding your way through bards, juggalos, jugglers. No, no, no. It's juggalos. I said it. There's no going back. (laughs) (laughs) How do magnets work? You move through those. 
some fire dancers, some sword swallowers, before finally coming across what looks like a upright box, uh, you know, a little bit smaller than than we used to have these things called phone booths, but it's basically be like a almost like a phone booth <laughs> with a very small table in it and a big burly half orc standing through the table enclosed in this box. I mean, he's just standing there looking out. It's got a sign across the top of it that says, Jarnock Gostek, Fortune Teller Supreme. And as you guys walk forward, he kind of looks up at you and then kind of looks down at what you guys now are familiar with as a coin slot kind of expectantly and then back up at you and kind of shrugs as if he's waiting for you to approach and put a coin in. Um, I put a coin in. He picks up a ornate deck of cards and begins to shuffle it. And then he holds it up to you as if he's waiting for your approval that it's properly shuffled. Uh, and Moyle shakes his head. Good. We get some indication as whether he shook his head yes or shook <laughs> his head no or uh, shook his head yes. So then he had st- stopped shuffling since you appear to be satisfied and he flips out the first card and drops it in the slot and it clinks down into the tray in front of you. Can I pick up the card? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. In fact, you almost feel compelled to. The card is it's a woman standing bound. She appears to be restrained and trapped and there are three swords in the background behind her stuck into the ground and two swords crossed in front of her. You get the impression of a woman that is trapped, but not necessarily imprisoned, but almost as if she is bound by either magic or a conundrum of some kind. Hmm. Would I have any idea from my past who this woman might be? Give me an insight check. Okie dokie. Or religion. I'll accept either or in this particular case. Moyle rolls a 20. If you had to guess, um, you don't think it's a coincidence that you are in the same area as Gundren, your former adopted mother slash mentor out in the swamps. He begins shuffling the deck again and waiting for you to nod to tell him when he's done shuffling. Mm, yes. He drops a second card in the slot. Okay, I pick up the card. It is the picture of a small sparrow in flight positioned over eight silver chalices. There's a feeling of disappointment, loss, and and depression. Something of of reflection and a uh, an impending decision that may result in you leaving something behind. Mm, let's see. What could that be? Should I roll another insight? Yep. Okay. The difficulty on this one's going to be significantly harder. And that's an 11. You feel like th- this card is communicating that there's a, a decision coming up for you, but you can't really feel feel out what it possibly means. And he begins a shuffling for what you suspect is a third and final time. Okay. Uh, stop. He drops the third and final card. You pull it out and it is two silver trout leaping out of golden chalices towards each other with a rainbow in the background. And you immediately get the sensation that this isn't just a rainbow. It represents not just this harmony, this, this feeling of acceptance that you get when you see the card, but is also something that represents the storm passing or creates some kind of significance of relationship to an elemental force. Give me an insight check. 21. So you you feel that this represents a, a union, a partnership, a balance, that there is some kind of additional bonding in your immediate future that 
could have a will have a very positive effect on your life. Okay. And do I derive any more information from this last card? No, not from that one. Just going through the progression of cards that you've had, you can feel like this is the result of whatever decision you make could potentially result in this this union that you're facing. Uh, Jarnock looks up to you and he goes, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, is that right? Uh, I guess so. Is it better than the last reading that you got? I, I don't remember the last reading. So, yeah, I guess for now. You don't you don't remember the last time? No. Did we meet before? It was the Feast of Bahumat. You were much younger. You were like a little kid. You know what? It may before I did the booth thing. I've gotten so popular that I do the booth for like safety. You know, not all the fortunes are always positive. And after having more than a few people take swings at me, I decided to, uh, you know, do a little bit of a, a protective barrier that keeps me away from my fans going crazy because my, my you know, my predictions always come true. You know, I don't have a whole lot of other magic, but I do have the absolute gift of the uh, of the sight. You know, my my predictions always always come to pass in some way or another. It is, you know, it's it was kind of a trade off that I did with uh, with an entity, and uh, you know, there's a there is a price that I have to pay for it. You know, when I gave you your reading when you were younger, I I gave you the opportunity to pull from the special deck. And I think you thought I said something else, so you flipped me off and ran off. But I'm I'm obligated now that I've given you this true fortune to uh to maybe pull one card from the special deck as well. I do need to warn you, this is not like a fortune telling thing. This is a, a powerful magical item that could very, 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 very realistically dramatically change your life. It's a path that if you go down there, may not be no any coming back from. It's how I ended up in this job, bound to the telling people's people's fortunes. Fate hears powerful magic item and perks up. Wait, what, what's going on? What's what, what, uh, uh, sir, sir? If if you'd like to hear what's going on, I'm going to need you to pay uh, pay the gold, and I'll have to tell your fortune as well. Hmm. Well, I'm not so much worried about the fortune, but this powerful magical item and drawing from special deck. Is there a price associated with that also? Sir, I'm only going to have conversations with clients. There's a there's a fortune teller <laughs> client privilege that has to be respected. What goes on between me and, and your friend here is between us. Okay. Sulk away. Um, so you said that this special deck bound you to this job. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. What What were you doing uh, before telling fortunes? I was an insurance salesman. Uh, I uh, I dealt with uh, with dungeon insurance. It's a surprisingly lucrative career. What you do is you take different types of risks that are associated with the different classes and you bundle them together to kind of offset the potential exposure that the company could get. And then you sell that insurance back over to adventurers. You know, there's a little bit of a scam sometimes because a lot of times they don't have beneficiaries. They just buy the insurance. But, you know, it was, it was a good life. I mean, I was doing okay for myself. It was just really boring. And then I came across, you know, this deck and uh, drew a card and made a wish to be able to really see the future so I could really be able to be the best insurance salesperson ever, but wishes don't always work out quite the way that you expect. So uh, I had I had to start well, being a fortune teller full time as a result of the side effects of that wish. And here you go. Uh, he kind of leans over and looks at you, Eldrin, and face like, "You guys, you guys want to get in on this? You want to? You want me to read your fortune or not?" Sure, why not? Mm, 
I'm game. We'll see how he does, and then I'll uh, I'll decide my fate. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, yeah, give, give me a range. Let me think about it while you uh, give them their fortune. All right. Eldrin, tell me when to stop shuffling. Uh, stop. All right. The card drops into the slot. You pull it out, and there is like a silver chalice that has a crab rising out of it that is grasping on to this winged ball that has a bearded human head on top of it with a crown of feathers. It is baffling in a lot of ways, but you get a sense that it represents an individual from your past. If you want to do an insight check or a religion check, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you some additional details. 22. You would feel that this represents a man who you had a bond with in the past who had qualities of control and balance and, and mastery of a field of some kind. You could intuit that this is signifying the presence of your old mentor. Okay. Tell me when to stop shuffling again. Stop. All right. You uh, pull out a card that has nine pentagrams drawn on it, a kind of arrayed like a, almost like a domino. It almost looks like a domino, but instead of the pips, it's pentagrams. Give me a insight check. Right. Ooh, a six. It's, it's hard for you to get a feel for what this one is. You feel like it may have something to do with an item of some kind, but other than that, it's it's hard to get another read. So your last card. Uh, stop. It shows a naked man and a naked woman standing on a hill, hands outreached together with an apple floating above their palm, while a serpent descends from the sky towards the apple. Give me an insight check. 16. You feel like this is representative of a bond, but that the serpent is communicating some kind of distrust about that bond. He goes, okay, so since you're a client now, I can, I have to offer you the same deal. You can draw a card from the special deck. Again, I must warn you, it is a very powerful magical item and has the potential to, for either fantastic reward or in, incredible danger. I mean, I got my greatest wish, but I've also now I'm a full-time fortune teller and I live in a box. I mean, the box is new, but it was because I was so good as a fortune teller. Can I wait to see how Moyle's decision turns out? No. No. I don't want to be the first one to go. So since you guys have done this together, now it's an all or nothing thing. Like you guys are, yeah. Ooh. So so if he gets if he gets the special deck, we all have to take it. Anyone who else? Do? Now, now the two of you do. Anybody who's fortune, I've told within a uh, like an adjacent time frame. Do we get? Do we? Do we get our own card, or is this like a collective? No, no. You guys would. You guys would each draw your own individual card. Go ahead, Eldrin. Draw your card. So if Eldrin draws one, then I have to draw one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. What do you What do you think, Moyle? What do you, what do, you do? You want to go for it? It's fifty fifty. Do you have an example of how disrupted <laughs> his life? Uh, yeah, I can't really discuss the uh, the particulars. I I mean, I can try to, but when I would tell you like, and you see, like he can't physically articulate it. I mean, I think my luck's pretty good, but I don't know if I'm willing to take that risk. But uh, Moyle, I mean, uh, well, it's uh, it's it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Hmm. Mm. Moyle, I didn't take you as a man to be afraid of a gamble. Uh, See, I don't like this. Uh, I don't like this. Uh, this gentle nudge here you're doing, Fate. Why don't you get your fortune read, and then you can uh, you could be in on it. You know, I um. The word magic has been said many times. The word magic has been stated, but given the uh, the bounds of said magic, I've already found myself in a similar situation in the past, and would rather not uh, rather not double down. 
see if the mage is out. I think I might be out. Tough, tough decision. Moyo, what would Ralashaz do? Oh, no. Mm, that's a good question. Should we ask him? Well, maybe you should. Oh, right. You guys can't talk to him. Mm, let's see. What do I have that I could take to induce a conversation with Ralashaz? Wait, you have to take... Oh, right. You do. Um, Don't you still have some of that whatever it was that Ognum gave you? Ah, uh, yes. But that's an upper... Do I have any more mushrooms? No. No, just Kipper Steve. Well, are you just eating something to put you to, like, say, sleep? Yeah, yeah, like a delirious sleep. Hold on just a second. Eldrin, uh, step to the side, please. Okay. And Fate's going to upcast sleep on Moyle for a level three casting. Okay. Do I need to roll something? I'm doing it. No, nope, Fate's got to roll the dice to see if it works on you. Okay. For a total of... 46. 46. That'll hit. Is that enough to knock him out? How many hit points do you have, Moyle? 40. Got him. Yep, you pass out. You fall asleep. This doesn't induce any kind of vision from Rolishaw's. It's just magical sleep. It's not drugs. <laughs> so you immediately pass out, and the guy in the booth goes, Well, that uh, that kind of screws things up. Oh, shit. And you just see a, a slight tearing in what feels like reality, and a paradox spiral Wait, what? materializes inside of the booth, and you hear a slight pop as the air rushes in as this guy gets sucked off into the astral plane or sucked <laughs> not sucked off into the astral plane that's oh! there is no follow-up <laughs> as this guy gets vacuumed into the astral plane and you hear him go no you'll pay for this mage <laughs> as he gets twisted into a mobius strip of flesh and booth and cards and magic before finally getting sucked into another dimension what is what just and at that note, at this this ruckus that is caused by one of the most famous fortune tellers in all the realms being banished into an extra planar situation, all the musicians and and fire breathers and dancers had all kind of stopped and they look over and the band that you guys tried to talk to yesterday goes, It's that goddamn narc again. He killed Jarnock. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> and you can see them start to kind of rummage through their stuff and head over towards you. Yeah, I'm running. Elgin, uh, Elgin, get get Moyle. It's time to go. And Fate just takes off. Okay, time to go. Time to time 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 to go. Moyle, Moyle, let's let's, let's go. <laughs> Moyle's asleep. Can't you just hit him to wake him up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Elgin, hit him. I, I nudge him. And <laughs> does that work? Does that wake uh, Moyle up? Yeah, you're you're awake. Yeah, you pop up. Oh, perfect. All right, let's go. <laughs> we run away. You you guys get back. And Baba is sitting outside of the Winna Majo in a folding chair. And Todd is you, like, as you're running up, you see Todd come out in one outfit. And Baba kind of shake his head no. And Todd go back in. And Todd come out in another outfit. And you know, Baba shake his head no. And then as you get closer, you hear, let's hear it for the boys playing over the fucking sound system. Todd runs like, neither, neither of them? Yeah, exactly. Come on. And then finally, uh, Todd comes out in uh, the third version of the same shirt and leather pants that he owns because it's just the one outfit that he has and his waiters and you guys have the rumblings of a mob kind of forming behind you now they're all entertainers so you've got a little bit of time to get out of dodge if you want but i'm gonna need to know exactly what you're if like what all you're heading out with wait heading out like wait oh we don't get to take the one of major do we nope 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 
Damn it. Okay. Well, we got the canoes. We have the canoes, the kayaks. I got my kayak. And your waders. All right. Well, as soon as we like get within range, like Fate's activating the mind link to tell everybody to get the crap and get moving because we got we got problems behind us. Just confirm real quick for me who bought waders. I know obviously Todd did. I've got waders. <laughs> Eldrin brought waders and a kayak. I've got bug spray too that I'm offering anyone if they'd like to use it. That's right. And bug spray, yeah. Fate will take up the offer on the bug spray. Same. So Todd and Eldrin were the only two that got waders, and then you have two kayaks and a canoe or three kayaks and a canoe? I, I got a kayak. I have a kayak. I wrote it down. Yep, same. Fate's canoeing with the with the barbarian. Yeah. So three kayaks, a canoe, and two waders. As we established, when you lift up the globe that displays the stabilizing reagent, its location on the map, it kind of pops up and shrinks down to about a, a grapefruit size. Who's carrying that? I'm sorry, wait, what, what, what's a grapefruit size? The GPS. The map. The tracker. You guys had a big globe that basically, yeah, it was like a magical GPS that showed the location of the different stabilizing agents. And as you got close to them, it kind of zoomed in on the area. Oh, right. And we established that you guys can pop it out of its mounting. And when you do, it goes from right. like a big globe size to a smaller grapefruit size. Right. But it, it stops really displaying a map at that point when it shrinks down because it's it's hard to see because it's gotten so smaller. It just basically turns into uh, like a directional arrow. Uh, almost like a compass that points towards where you need to go. And it's showing that you need to head further east, deeper in towards the center of the region. I'll carry it. Make sure we lock the van with the keys to key. I was just about to say someone locked the car. <laughs> All the doors and the roof, boys. Boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we turn uh, Ogstar on for safety or something? And we could check to see if there's any other additional security features, I guess. Oh, and turn the lights off. We don't want to run out the nuclear battery. Since Ogstar is just Ognum, a projection of him, you guys could turn it on and he would be like, uh, fellas, uh, fellas, no, nobody. (laughs) And then eventually shut it off in a couple of minutes. He's not just going to sit there while you guys are gone for X number of days. Uh, So anything else that you specifically want to take with you before you head out? And it needs to be quick. I'm going to start a timer before the mob shows up. I still have my shark repellent. Mm -hmm. I've got shark repellent too, just in case. Oh, that's right. You did. (laughs) You did. I'm prepared. Waiters, kayak, shark repellent, and bug spray. Anything else specifically that you guys want to grab before you go? Time is ticking. I'm I'm good. Can I can I make a quick uh, stop in the bathroom before? Oh Jesus Christ! The cubes. No, we're being chased. We already locked it up. Did you not hear the boop boop? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me put a, a defense cube, <laughs> wink wink, at the entrance <laughs> to stop anyone from coming in. Listen, we were walking through a swamp. You could drop whatever load you wanted. In just, yeah, it's just like those cubes around here. I mean, boys, when the Browns are calling, the Super Bowl is a uh, knocking or something. I, I don't know. I'll come up with a better phrase later. <laughs> Wow, you messed that one up. He did. Not even close. <laughs> I'm sorry, boys. I'm sorry. It wasn't even a, an effort there. Mm-mm. All right, so you guys uh, dart off across the parking lot around the uh, northern edge of the butte and heading deeper east into the swamp. So the way this is going to work, we established it's a five-day journey into the swamp to reach Gundren's, where the compass is currently pointing you towards. So each day, you're going to have to succeed on a survival check three times to have made progress for that day. If you fail on the survival check, 
It just means another encounter. Every time you roll a survival check, depending upon how you roll, an encounter is going to occur from one, one of a few different tables. And then based off of that, it can either be something good, it can be something bad, it can just be a straight combat encounter. If you fail and keep failing, you're going to keep keep having bad things happen. If you succeed right away, then potentially only good things could happen or potentially only weird things can happen. So is the survival check, on, do we get to pick? All right, so here's the deal. At the start of the day, you got to pick one person as your guide for that day. And if more than one person tries to be the guide for that day, then both of you can roll, but you're rolling at disadvantage. And no more than two people can roll for that day as you guys are kind of arguing about directions. As you guys head out from the butte at first, the ground is pretty solid. There appears to be some kind of additional igneous formation around the base of the butte that makes the ground, you know, fairly, fairly stable. But as you head deeper into the swamp, you're going to be tra traversing, you know, mud, open water, very, very shallow kind of marshy mud that will require fording. So the survival checks basically represent you being able to navigate through the swamp in a curvy line, finding the areas that you can navigate through to the best of your ability. Now, the good news is, is you guys did get some forms of water transport because there were originally more roles. But since you guys had the foresight to get a means of transport that allow you to circumvent when the water gets deeper, it actually reduces it to only three rolls. Moyle, since you're from the area, I will let you roll as if you were proficient in survival. If you are not, do, uh, do I have uh, Baggy back? Baggy asked you to leave him. Okay. It's up to you whether or not you're taking him. Can I still take him? Or is it too late? Because uh, I I just remembered that. And I wasn't sure if it was for, because I'm also not sure if it's for the whole trip. No, he just didn't want to go in the swamp. This is the part. Yeah, this is the part he specifically didn't want to go on. Oh, okay. Because he didn't want to go with me to the buttes either. No, the butte he didn't have a problem with. It was the swamp he didn't want to go on. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So can I ask him again or is that a just plain out no? If you you can take him against his will if you want, but he's very, very specifically asked you not to do that. Probably shouldn't do that. Because I was then I was gonna ask, could I equip the Texas hammer? Well, you don't have those yet. Those don't come in until you get back. Remember we talked about how Baggy while you were gone was gonna do some interdimensional kegels. Right. Oh I I did not forget that. <laughs> He had to suck off a whole dimension. Yeah, that's going to produce the ability for him to produce those random hammers when you get back. So that's the upgrade that Baggy will go through while you're gone. Um, and that was the trade-off for you not taking. Now, you still got all the hammers that you already had. Mm. Your regular war hammer, your meat mallet, your ball-peen hammer, your carb, like all the weird random collection of hammers that you've already collected. We'll say you threw into an extra backpack and have got with you. Somebody gets picked as the guide or somebody backseat drives. You guys do the survival rolls, and then you'll stop for the day, take a long rest, assuming something doesn't prevent that for whatever reason. I'd like to take charge here. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is your, what is your bonus on survival rolls? Come on, I already know this place. Why are you even asking? I, I, I'm asking because I have a plus six to survival. I have a plus three, but I know the place. And, oh, wait, wait, one more thing. Uh, I have advantage on what? Insight? Or no. From the um, last MVP. One role. You have an inspiration. Yeah, you have one yeah. role that you have advantage on. Can I use it on this? It seems like the most appropriate time. You could use it on the first of the three, yes, if you, if you chose it. So your survival, you would roll at uh, a plus, what is your proficiency bonus? You would roll at plus six. Okay. Remember I said, since you're from the area, 
you would roll as if you were proficient in survival, which would be your bonus of plus three from your wisdom plus your proficiency bonus of plus three. So right now you and Eldrin would actually have the same roll on this. That's fine with me if you want to roll Moyle. So then I add three on top of what I just rolled. Correct. Okay. So Moyle rolls a 21 on his first survival check. Okay. You guys head out from the base of the Butte. You know, the first portion of the day is actually pretty easy going, and you can attribute that to the work that the Copper Dragonborn have done cultivating the area around the Butte. While the vast majority of their society and resource production occur within the walls, there is some agriculture that occurs in the immediate surrounding area where they're growing rice so they can make rice wine, uh, where they've got these raised hop gardens for brewing beer. They've got a section of land that they've actually appeared to have drained in some way to grow grapes. Doesn't seem to be very uh, related to food production, but there is definitely mushroom and at least one pot farm. Nice. As you guys head out and move through the, the agriculture area of the Copper Dragonborn. So that first three hours of that, that first day goes without any issues whatsoever. Moyle, roll again. And Moyle rolls a 12. Okay. That's a 15, right? 15, right? 15, right? It's plus three on top of that, right? Yeah. What did you roll on the dice, Moyle? A 12. All right, so then that's a 15. Okay. Yeah. So you are still heading further, deeper east, still navigating in the shadow of the Butte now as the sun traverses across the sky. The Butte begins to cast a long shadow and you are not fully operating in that direction. It provides some relief to uh, what is clearly going to be a very humid, very oppressively hot journey as the sweat starts to kick in. The land begins to get a little bit marshier, but you're still pretty much just walking across open field at this point. There are a number of trees in the distance and you can see a few rivers starting to wind their way through as the tail end of the tributaries of the Serpent's Path River. Uh, you can still see a few of the elevated highways heading back towards Nashtow and then crossing over to the closest stilt dwarf fuel depot. But you guys make good progress throughout the middle of the day as well. And give me your third check. More rolls a 23. Okay. All three passes. So a good, a good first day. You guys are able to get a good full day's first journey away from the Butte. Um, despite the fact that you had to huck the kayaks and canoe each day and basically portage the canoe the entire day, it feels like you're on some established paths that some dragonborn fishermen or some of the dragonborn youth used to wander around to the swamps to look for toads to lick. So it feels like you guys are winding your way through. Not not just the marsh, but through some established routes. So you make extremely good progress the first day without really anything out of sorts happening, but the sun begins to set and it would be probably a good idea to make camp for the night. All right. After a stunning show of competence from Moyle Mossberg, the party settles in for the night. I'm sure all those supplies they purchased will come in handy. All right, announcements for the week. As always, Todd continues to pop up as a guest over at the Pop-Up Filmcast. Check him out. And Jamie will provide you with all the gaming news you could ever need over on 3 Angry Gamers. Links in the show notes below. And hey, did I mention possibly multiple times across every social media and way back at the intro of this podcast that I talked to Conan about being a dungeon master? It was goddamn amazing. 
Well, for me, for Conan, probably a less so, but he did sing to me, and that is one bucket list box checked, and I don't know, do bucket lists have boxes? I'm not that old. I don't know. I don't have one, but you know what? I'm going to make one just so I can go down there and check it off. So yeah, I'll put a link to that in the show notes below as well. And you can hear me talk about DMing and how Gilligan's Island is responsible for my complete lack of understanding of automotive repair. A couple other things. We continue to stream on Thursday nights at 7.30 Central. This week, we're doing a deep dive DM splaining on the action economy. So if you want to know what the difference is between an action, bonus action, reaction, tune in. If you miss it, we do throw those videos up in our Patreon feed for our supporters. So hey, another reason to get in there and get supporting. Probably the most important announcement is the reminder that we've got our first charity event coming up October 23rd to support Game to Grow. That would be the Gimme de Belt PvP tournament, which will feature members from our very own Party of Five facing off in a 3v3 5e PvP single elimination tournament against other podcasts and streams from the tabletop role-playing community. The winning team walks away with a custom championship belt, and with your donations and support, we'll get to help an incredible organization that uses the games we love as a therapeutic and social education tool. Once again, link in the show notes below. To stay on top of updates for our events and our streaming, head over to our social media at GMDLcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, but mostly Twitter, to get the most current news of what's going on with the Party 5 and the extra content that we've got going out, and to hear more about that charity event as we head through the month. And hey, while you're out on the internet clicking on links, why don't you head over to whichever podcast platform provides you with your entertainment and rate, review, and subscribe. I know every podcast asks for it, but it really does help make a show more visible and help influence new listeners to get in the Winnemajo and come along for the ride. But seriously, if you get a minute in between, you know what you're doing. If you could head over and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. Special shout out to Schist Kicker for getting over there and getting that review. I'm pretty sure he bought an iPad to do it. Why can't more of you be like Bill? No, seriously, be like Bill. We absolutely appreciate it. It's fantastic. Thank you so much. Cool. That'll do it. Back to the show. Okay, boys, uh, let's uh, hunker down here. Let's look for some uh, lizards and some uh, baby gators to maybe uh, roast up and, uh, you know, pick some. Did, we, did anyone get any mushrooms on the way uh, over here? I only got a small handful, but, uh, you know, if anyone got any more, I would be, uh, I would be grateful. No, well, I didn't see any mushrooms. Oh. Okay, me neither. <laughs> so you guys, you are able, especially with that that final third roll, to find a raised area. The, the land is definitely starting to get moist. You haven't quite reached the part yet where kind of the muck or the water has, has slowed you down at all, but you are able to find an area under this massive willow tree that's raised up a little bit. They can provide a little bit of cover so that you're not fully exposed and just sleeping out in the field, but also a, a decent dry sleeping area to, to build a fire. Uh, should we do a survival check for for fire? Uh, no, you guys can start a fire. I'm just going to need to know who brought the food and what your sleeping arrangements are since nobody brought any tents or sleeping bags. I can find food for up to five other people. If the land offers berries, small game wa- uh, water, or so forth. Uh, is there a role associated with that, or is that just be, I'm a ranger? It just says it's a feature of being a wanderer. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. 
Then, yeah, as Moyle's talking about finding lizards, you're going around and you have found a good um, six or seven really meaty geckos that look like, if roasted up, could provide a, a extremely satisfying meal for the group of you, as well as, you know, checking out a, a small stream which runs by the willow and that you can confirm is, is good clean water. And uh, is Fate going to share his pizza? Not even a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help it. It was just too. It was too coincidental. <laughs> we were talking about food, and you were eating. Fate somehow has balanced a, a Chicago-style deep dish pizza. A dragonborn deep dish style <laughs> pizza the entire way. You're, nobody's really sure when you got it. You guys vaguely have yes, yes. a hazy memory of about 2 a.m. last night, going, "Let's get pizza." <laughs> You're didn't realize you actually had gone or that fate had bought an extra one and saved it in the Winnemago, but he produces this from the inside of the canoe and begins eating it probably without offering to share with anybody. It's a personal pen. It's very small. Only for me. Mm-hmm. Rude. I also had the wonder retreat. Mm-hmm. So. Then you can find twice as many geckos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gentlemen, if you'd like, I can go ahead and start that fire for you. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. We got, we got it. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm, uh, as, he, as fate saying, that he's looking around for that little weird magical void that blew him up the last time. <laughs> give, give me a perception check. Uh oh. <laughs> and I rolled a 10. Everything's cool, Fate. Totally cool. Does anybody want drugs? I've got mushrooms and a little bit of pot. I mostly have mushrooms because I picked, I didn't have any more hands. It, it, <laughs> it might be a good idea to stay sober out here so that we can be on our P's and Q's. You also still have a little bit of the uh, the coke that you got from Brewster McCracken. That's true. I think I have about six hits left. Four, four or six. <laughs> I haven't done a great job of keeping up. I guess wise words will not be heeded, I guess. <laughs> Fate was not entirely sure about his safety from the void that blew him up, so he's going to let Baba go ahead and start his own fire. Now that you got your camp set up, you've all had a really filling meal, a double helping of swamp gecko, moil. The smell of roasting gecko, you don't have a ton of memories of growing up in the hold, but that smell of roasting lizard does just trigger something in you from your childhood of Saturday dinners around the Mossberg table with your mom and your dad having a a humble meal of lizard and uh, swamp muck. And it carries both kind of a nostalgic feeling, uh, a warm nostalgic feeling, but also re-insinuates that sense of loss that you had, not only of losing your parents, but now being newly rejected by your father as well. I'm a, I chew, I chew on it and I say, damn it, Todd. What? Uh, what? Uh, what did Todd do? Oh, nothing. <laughs> I need to know the watch and sleeping situation. Uh, was on first sleep since he was on a lead. <laughs> first is first sleep. Is the uh, is the canoe large enough for fate to lie down in? Yes, but only fate if if he's laying in the canoe. Yeah, that's where fate's gonna go lay down. <laughs> what? She's gonna say, "I don't get a bed, huh?" I mean, <laughs> Eldrin is gonna take first watch, I guess. Yes, Baba will watch with Eldrin as well. I'm sleeping. Todd is sleeping. You know, Todd. How Todd roll? We know. <laughs> Who's taking second watch? Four hours. I need. I need. I only need four hours. Fate will take the second watch. Fate's got it by himself, I guess. <laughs> Todd. Todd. No. Okay. 
Eldrin and Baba give me perception checks. Night sets in, the party dozes off, fate goes into his trance within the canoe. Amoyle, where do you lay down at? Uh, on the ground. Just next to the canoe or close to the tree? Where at exactly? Uh, leaned up against the tree. Okay. Uh, I rolled a 16. It was a nine. Uh, right around, well, pretty quickly, actually. About an hour after Moyle dozes off, you guys are standing outward watching the perimeter and Baba, you hear something rustling in the trees and Eldrin, you hear it too and you spin around and you realize nobody tied Moyle off and he has floated up into the branches of the tree and you guys have a very limited amount of time to grab him and tether him down before he drifts off. So roll initiative real quick. Oh shit. I completely forgot about this. I didn't. You'd think that Moyle would remember, but uh, I guess because he's asleep, he does not. Does my initiative count? What'd you get? A 19. Moyle gets a 19. Oh, but I'm doing nothing because I'm asleep. We're going to have you do something. Okay. I don't know why I have advantage on initiative. I didn't. Because you've got your knitting needles. Oh. Okay. So what do you get? A 20? A 20, yeah. And then Baba, what'd you get on initiative? Nine. Nine. Okay. Todd, you're asleep. You don't get to roll. Eldrin, you have a couple seconds to act before Moyle drifts out from where he's caught up in the tree branches. Can, can I reach him if I run up and try to grab him or is he... Too, too high. He's high enough up that you would have to give me a athletics check to climb up the tree and then an acrobatics check to jump out and grab him. All right, let's go. 23. With Elfin Grace, you sprint out and pick up enough speed that you literally run up the side of the tree and coil yourself out and launch outwards. 17. All right. And manage to tackle onto him and begin to slowly drift down as if you are under the effect of Featherfall. So if Moyle is asleep, he can be used as a ring of Featherfall, for the record. <laughs> On the downside, you guys have to remember to tether him down or he will drift off. Yep. All right. So uh, Eldrin ties a rope around Moyle once they get back down. How are you tying him up? BDSM style with the tits out. Oh. Like to a, to a tree or something. Like lashing a sailor to a mast or like <sighs> tying a rope to his ankle and then sticking a stake in the ground? Yeah, it's more like that. Not not going to restrain him completely, just keep him from... Is it like uh, rodeoing a cow, a calf, where you put all four limbs together? Is he drifting around like a balloon in front of a car sales place or is he... Yeah, yeah, just kind of like floating around. All right, so you're, the rest of your watch passes by somewhat uneventfully. Fate, you wake up. Are you come to from your meditation, see Moyle drifting about like a balloon, take your post and watch for the rest of the night. Right around dawn, Moyle begins to slowly descend as he wakes up and we're into day two. Who's going to be the guide for day two? Do you want to stay with the hot hand, Moyle? I'm willing to. I got a full night's rest. Yeah, let's do it. Are you guys good with that? Yeah. I have faith in you. All right. Eight. And I cannot add the three on anymore because it's another day. You're always going to add the three to it as long as you are in this particular area of the swamp because you grew up here. Okay. Eleven. So you guys head off into the swamp on the second day and reach the first area where you guys have to deploy the kayaks and canoe. You guys are able to uh, begin working your way down a, a shallow stream, but it's still wide enough that it, to go around it would have just taken you way out of the way. So the water's deep enough that you're able to hop into the kayaks and canoe and, and make some progress via water. But go ahead and give me a, a D20 roll, Moyle. Just, just a flat D20. So a nine. 
So as the sun starts to, to rise up into the sky, you guys start to get a, a feel for exactly how humid and swampy this journey is going to be. And it is exhausting, even just for these first couple of hours, even being able to coast in the kayak and to coast uh, along in the canoe. Anytime that you have to exert yourself, you can just feel waves of sweat pouring off you and uh, matting down your hair and your clothes and uh, the humidity is so oppressive, it feels like the air has gotten so thick, like you're almost gasping. Give, everybody give me a constitution saving throw really quickly. That's not promising. 18. Crit. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Fate, what did you get? And 11. Ooh. Well, you think you would be more used to this, but maybe it's the drugs. Maybe it's just the hangover that it really is just stretched into a second day, but you just feel drained by the heat. Fate, you quite frankly are a city boy and aren't used to this kind of environment and your robes start to slowly absorb all the water that slowly splashes into canoe. Both of you guys will incur one level of exhaustion for the rest of today. Mm. Oh, this leadership role weighs on me. (laughs) (laughs) So it gives you disadvantage on ability checks. Okay. Which means you'll have disadvantage on your survival checks for the rest of the day. Oh, no. That sucks. Oh, come on. Come on. Yeah, that... That sucks. Wait, wait, wait. You have you have that inspiration, so you use that once, maybe. The heat sets in, Moyle, and you start to feel a little bit dizzy, and that, you know, you guys have gotten far enough away now that the butte has disappeared back behind a ridge as you guys have slowly been moving further east and down in elevation. And you yeah, this is a lot of pressure, dude. They never let you lead. So uh, there are a couple of times where you start to question whether or not you're going the right direction, and then instead of consulting the compass or consulting Eldrin, you just guess like, oh yeah, those trees mean that there's a a good path ahead and you just get more and more worn out. And yes, you can burn your inspiration to offset one of these disadvantage rolls, but go ahead and give me your second survival roll for the day. Shit, that was only the first one. Meanwhile, Fate's in the background, just super tired from swatting at mosquitoes the entire trip. Here we go. What did you do? The first one, you got a six. A fat six. First one, I got a six. Yeah, because he rolled a 3 and a 19 plus 3, so I got him a 6. Give me a D100 roll there, champ. Is it a D100? 20? Yeah, of 100, that's not great. <laughs> no, no. I got a nat 20. <laughs> and so, Boyle, you are feeling more and more stressed as you continue to try and navigate these guys through. And you can see, just again, the heat is draining you and you're feeling more and more tired. Fate will not shut the fuck up about how hot it is. And over ahead, you can see like a rise of trees where there is another cluster of willows that have sprouted out of this small island in the marsh. And you kind of direct everybody over towards that to just get out of the sun and get into the shade and maybe catch your breath and collect your thoughts. And you guys make your way over there, get out of the canoe, pull the canoe up onto the ground, pull the kayaks up onto the ground and immediately notice the clusters of spider webs stringing from the branches of the willow trees. And uh, let's see how many exactly. We're going full on random encounter table for this guy. Seven giant spiders drop down out of these willow trees and advance on you. Everybody roll initiative. That was almost the max. Giant spiders, huh? 
So wait, wait. So so does my bug repeller doesn't repel uh, giant spiders? Yes, Todd. You can add. <laughs> uh, we'll say you can add three to your armor class for this combat uh, since you're bug repeller. Nice. Didn't I use some of your bug repellent? I don't know. I think it did. <laughs> I know Eldrin did. I know Fate did. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Moyle definitely didn't. Moyle was like, I have scales. I don't I don't need anything for these bugs. So everybody who used the bug repellent can add three to their armor class for this encounter. Right. Yay. You're welcome, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's some good ass bug repellent. Off. <laughs> Damn, if only I wasn't immune to bugs. <laughs> oh, <ooh. laughs> my initiative wasn't good, though. So. Do I get, I get the needle, knitting needles once a day? No, the knitting needles, you just have advantage on initiative. Every time? Yeah. Oh, shit. I thought it was only a one per day. No, 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 no. You can use them once per day to give yourself an advantage on certain checks. Oh, well, shit. But yeah, as long as you have those knitting needles tucked into your belt, you've got advantage on initiative. 18 either way. <laughs> You guys are clustered at the uh, the northwestern edge of this little island. And then let me grab some giant spiders here real quick. Hmm. Or how about you don't? We just say you did. No? <laughs> there are worse things we could have rolled. Trust me. That's fair. Let me just put it this way. The fact that Harland actually picked up fucking shark repellent is a jokey joke, but that very well could come into fucking play. So I, when he said that, I was like, mother fucker. <laughs> mm, a lot of spiders. <laughs> a lot of spiders. Yeah, this this place was infested, man. And they, and they make a <laughs> noise as they descend out of the trees and immediately begin spidering towards you. Uh. So when you roll for the enemies, the monsters initiative, you roll for all of them or is it just individual? How does that normally work? Depends on the situation. I usually do it by group of monster. Since there's one type of monster here, I'm probably just going to go one initiative for the entire batch of them. You're lucky I'm not giving them a surprise round. The giant spiders get a 14. So our order... Eldrin, Eldrin, Fate, Spiders, Baba. Spiders and Fate roll the same thing. I'll give it to Fate. Yeah. So Eldrin, Fate, Spiders, Baba, Todd Moyle. Oof, okay. (laughs) Eldrin, you are up, sir. These, um, they're large beasts. I mean, I know I said giant spiders, but they're the size of an ogre. So think... Eight-legged freaks, huh? Think like a good minivan-sized, like a big, beefy, ultra-sized minivan, but with eight legs and some pretty nasty-looking fangs. Okay. Spiders are considered a beast, right? Yes, they are considered a beast. Okay, so I have a beast as my favorite enemy, which means I can do a advantage on an in check to recall information about them. So can I do like a nature check or something to find out any more information about spiders? Yeah, give me a check. An eight. <laughs> I get it. Wait, hold on. I said advantage, so I get another roll. Calm down. And eight. Roll <laughs> 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 w- for links. Yeah, here. Uh, I'm calm. When's that next roll coming? <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the second roll? It was an eight. Oh, I see. Feels a lot like the last roll. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say that was a. Uh, hang on. I'm looking up facts about spiders for elementary school kids. So <laughs> you know, with your eight, that spiders are not insects. <laughs> that spiders spin webs to catch other bugs, or in this case, with these big guys, probably bigger animals to eat. 
but not all spiders make webs. Most spiders are not dangerous to humans, but these probably kind of look like they might be. <laughs> the wolf spider carries her babies on her back with her, and most spiders live on land, but a few, like the raft spiders, live in and, and on the water. That seems appropriate for an eight. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, okay. I feel like Eldrin should also become suddenly aware of how many legs and eyes spiders have. Eight? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> how appropriate. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How many feet apart are these spiders here? This cluster of three that are advancing on you and Todd are about five feet apart each. And then the cluster that are advancing towards Baba and Moyle are about five feet apart from each other, 25 feet away. So you have two little groups, three of them advancing towards you and Todd, about five feet apart. Four of them advancing towards Baba, Moyle, and Fate, also about five feet apart. So I want to first get as far away as humanly possible while staying in this circle here. That's the little island island that you guys are wedged up on so you can start heading off into the water but then you're going to be swimming and that's going to make it really difficult for you to shoot your bow yeah can can i move like behind todd like (laughs) yeah you absolutely can can move uh, over behind todd okay well i'm going to do that you kind of shoulder past todd to the center of the group (laughs) i'm going to mark the spider that is on the top my hunter's mark with my bonus action and uh, attack him with my longbow shoot him shoot shoot the j shoot shoot bedu shoot bedu shoot her <laughs> shoot her home oh, 19 okay oh, i forget you get plus nine <laughs> okay shoot bedu and Second attack would be a 14. All right, both of those will hit. Go ahead and roll your damages. So it's a 10 and a 13. So 10 and a 13, so 23 points total. Yeah. All right, so the first arrow slices one of the spider's front like legs off and just kind of plops on the ground, and the second one just hits it in one of its six eyes. I think they're six eyes. I don't know if that's right. That will be your turn. The spiders all uh, make a dramatic hissing noise as you uh, manage to sever one of their cadre's legs. And that brings us to Todd. No. Nope, fate. I'm sorry. I'd have much preferred it if Todd had gone next. (laughs) We're going to... You know what? One time for the one time. We hadn't... You know, fate hadn't done it in a while. He hadn't reached up. Charged up the power off of that unk. Oh, man. Snatched a fireball from the bottom of it and then put one up for old Elminster. <laughs> so he saw the uh, the beautiful shot that his man El- uh, Eldrin put into the spider to the far left. And so he's going to follow up with the firebolt for some damage over that way. Range tackle 17. Give me damage. Nine. Now go ahead and call your shot. The thing had three hit points left. So basically, because of the fact that I've hit level six now and my cantrips are a bit more potent as an evocation wizard, this uh, fire bolt, as it goes through the air, kind of enlarges, not quite to the same scope of a fireball and that majestic blast that comes from it, but just like this large moat of fire lands on top of the spider and burns it all the way down from like top down, just kind of crisp away. So you've gotten more deft at rubbing fire out of your onk. Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> yes. You're, you're shooting a little bit of a bigger load. <laughs> yes. Much, much larger. All right. That will bring us to the spiders. Seeing one of their friends bite it, they all begin spraying out webs. Gosh. We're going to start with the Toddarino and work our way down. So Todd, does a nine hit? Not with uh, 18 armor class now. Okay. Eldrin does a 15 hit. 
Uh, with the plus three, it does not. Fate does a nat 20 hit. No, it sure doesn't. It does not. It's not how things work around here. You are restrained. The third one down, you swear to God, you hear the spider go. (laughs) 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 Which you didn't, you know, you thought spiders, like the webs came out of their ass, but no, this one legitimately seems to be hawking a loogie at you. Like some weird hillbilly fucking chaw, and this glob shoots out and slaps onto you, and you are restrained. You can make a strength check mm. on your turn to break out, or somebody can try and chop you out of the web on their turn as well. I like that. Does a 17 hit Moyle? Moyle has a 17. So is that a yes or a no? That was yes. Moyle gets globbed up by another spider loogie as well. So you are restrained by webbing. Baba, does a 7 hit? Nope. Baba does a 12 hit. Nope. And then Baba does a 18 hit. Nope. Okay. So you are able to dance around the different spider loogies that sclop up the spellcasters. It's bullshit. And that will bring us to your turn. All right. Um, so my turn, I will rage first and foremost. Seems appropriate. The ghost of your sister appears as well as a woman that you you have come to know somehow mysteriously as Mabel, the old woman from the Feywild. And she looks up and a little bit of surprise as if she has just gotten interrupted from doing something in the afterlife, looks over at you and kind of gives you a very sarcastic thumbs up as you get ready to go into combat. <laughs> All right. And so I will. So both Moyle and Fader webbed. Correct. You can chop them out of the webbing, but that would take your turn. Yeah, not going to do that. (laughs) I charge forward at the spider, like towards the middle of the bottom set of spiders. Okay. And I will attack with the Vicula twice. That is a miss. Go ahead and give me your next roll. That will be a hit. Go ahead and roll damage. That'll be 15. So it goes for the overhead to kind of try and blind the spider to give it, you know, make it harder for it to hit. Um, And the spider reels back, but... On that, he spins around and chops the legs because that's that's my go-to is go for the legs. Sweep the legs. And with that chop, the ghosts, the ghosts now start to kind of distract and kind of jump on him. And my sister actually jumps on top of the spider and just, just distracting it. Yeah, Mabel really half heartedly is kind of like waving in front of its face. And, and I really... <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> like a, a sports ball player really half-assing his coverage. <laughs> Todd, your go. Get him, Todd. These guys are spread out enough that if you advance on the one at the top, you would be able to use your rakish audacity to engage a sneak attack. Remember, they would be five feet away this round, so you would be able to either engage the spider number two with rakish audacity or run down to where Baba's at. Yeah, I'm going to go to this this one right here. Sorry, this one right. How do I do this? Use a pointer. How do I? I would say 20 episodes in, you think we would have figured out how to use roll 20, but I mean, realistically, this is more like 25 episodes in. I Um, rarely ever do anything with this. That one. Yes, that's the one I'm going for. Spider number two, the topmost spider, the northernmost spider, the spider closest to me. (laughs) Any of those descriptions would have worked. I would have given you that, but I was actually trying to push the button. I was trying to learn. See, I won't learn if I I don't do. No, I know. That's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Spider number two, come on down. Spider number two. Hmm, so a 26 hit. We got him. A 26 will hit. Are you? I'm assuming you're attacking with your offhand as well? 
Yeah, but can I do my sneak attack damage first? Go ahead and give me your sneak attack damage first. God dang. Oh, jeez. That's impressive, but it does not finish it off. So if you're going to attack with your offhand, go ahead and attack. Oh, do you know the offhand's coming? I love the confidence. Oh, yeah. You know the offhand's coming. You mother... <laughs> you mother... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What was <laughs> what, what was the what was the roll, Todd? Uh, it was a it was a a, a one, right. it was a, a nat one. Yes. You can feel Echo giving that sword side eye somehow, even though Echo doesn't have <laughs> eyes, and go. You hear it go, uh, pussy. <laughs> it was uh, it was weak. Sorry about that one. Fucking fuck up. I'm tiptoeing up to it, truly like a sneak attack. And as I sneak up behind it, stab one time, just the one deep through long thrust into the belly and I pull out slowly. All right. Now, you know, rakish audacity. I know. Is about you <laughs> running up and be, like getting in, and being like, mm-hmm. like in their face. So tiptoe right in his face. <laughs> you stage tiptoe around the back of it and then stab it. Is that what? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. No. Is that, is that what I mean? Okay. Okay. All right. So, mm-hmm. so you can almost hear a little, which may be added in post is Todd, blatantly walks around the back <laughs> behind this spider but is fast enough Did that he does to? that little anime move that uh, he's able to stab it in its ass and do a decent chunk of damage <laughs> to it. Alright, so that'll bring us to Moyle. Moyle, you are restrained. Uh, you can try and just kind of by God your way out of the webs. Let me tell you what you can do as somebody who is restrained. A restrained creature's speed drops to zero, so you can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Attack rolls against you have advantage, and your attack rolls have disadvantage, and then you have disadvantage on dexterity saving throws. So you still can cast spells, you just can't move, and if one of the spiders comes up to try and hit you again, it can hit you, or you can just try and flex your way out of the out of the webs. Could I uh, light my uh, fire cigar, and would that burn the, uh, the web? Yes, that will. I will uh, spark up. Oh, wait. Are you using your magical fire cigar? Yeah. What other cigar? Oh, would I breathe fire? Yeah, you could breathe fire. And would it be able to reach them at the same time? It would hit the two spiders to the right of Baba. Yeah. You would, you would spit out this cone of, of fire. And it would actually, I would say that would actually also burn you out of your webs as well, just for badassness sake. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. The spiders need to make a dexterity saving throw. Your spell save DC is a 14. So both of the spiders see it coming um, because you do take a second to reach into your back pocket and you have to kind of twist around a little bit because your lower body is all grouped up. But then you get your Zippo out, clink it a few times, light up this fire cigar. Yeah, then with your offhand, burn your way out of the webs and blast out this cone of fire through the front of the cigar and they scamper out of the way but so they are going to take half damage so roll 3d6 no 4d6 so roll 4d6 and they're going to take half of that 16 oh nice oh so you get eight damage that's strong damn Yep. Each one of them takes eight damage and you are free. As you take a big draw in and this incendiary, almost cinnamon, peppery smoke feels into your lungs and you feel compelled to immediately blow it out back through the cigar and it billows out into this strange, it looks like a fucking tentacle, bizarrely enough, flame tentacle, because these are Rolishaw cigars that incinerates the cigar as it goes and it is poof, gone. But you do manage to singe both of the spiders despite them scampering out of the way. What do you think about that fireball fate? Not bad, sir. Not bad. That, that's all I've got. That brings us back to the top of the order to Eldrin. So I, I'm going to mark spider number three. Your little little red arrow moves over spider number three. But I am going to first attack the spider near Todd. 
Okay. With my first attack. I'm calling for a miss. Shh. Don't you do it. I think it's going to be an eight. <laughs> don't you jinx me. He's going to roll a two and still hit. 26. Suck it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that will hit. Go ahead and roll damage so we can see just how badly you murder the fucking thing because it only has six hit points. Ten. Okay. You'll call your shot on that, but go ahead and roll your second one. All right. So the second attack, I'm going to attack the the one that's marked. 21 on that. That will also hit. All right. So it's an eight on the uh, second. All right. So on the first shot, I uh, take a deep breath, uh, draw back my bow, and shoot it right in the abdomen, and it just kind of explodes into a big, disgusting pile of mush right on Todd. Todd, give me a dexterity saving throw to see if you are covered in spider guts. He will promptly fail. I will not fail. 18. <laughs> he did not fail. 18. Yeah, you are, you are able to step out of the way of the uh, spider spider blast. All right. And the second one, I just kind of aim at its at its mandibles or whatever the hell you want to call it, spider mouth. <laughs> and I shoot it right in the mouth. Spider mouth. Oh, spider lips. <laughs> it takes uh, it takes the hit and then kind of clacks down and snaps your arrow. Hey, special kudos to Jamie for role-playing Eldrin, really leaning into that elementary school level of knowledge about beasts and spiders, which I know are arachnids and not beasts, but goddammit, it's in the game. It's a monster type. Don't, don't be that. Don't be that. Don't be that guy or gal. Come on. But hey, it's the time of the show where we get to thank our patrons, our Patreon supporters who take the time and money to invest in the show, helping us bring you bigger and better content. So, so big shout out to Don't Use Good Yarn on Bad Conspiracies and Luke Nolan. Todd would absolutely let you have a spritz of his bug spray especially you luke coming to us all the way from australia as our first international patron who i imagine pictured the spiders in this episode and went you call that a spider this is a spider that's right you knew the bad accent was coming back for that one luke you're welcome and thank you brian Drekin, korobe nikki lady kiva lagos is my spirit guide Zork Fox, you guys are like a sharp wooden stake pounded in the earth to which Moyle can be tethered down to and not drift off hopelessly into the great blue yonder because nobody remembered the pentahedron side effects that I have been waiting to spring on them for several months now. He'd be lost without you. Jogan, Saganadal, Thomas, Eldrin wouldn't hesitate to do a wall run up any tree to save you guys. Mainly because he wants to show off that he can run up fucking trees. But there's a there's a value that he places in your existence as well. You know how much. Bill, I don't know how many shout-outs you expect in a single episode, but you're getting two because, man, that review is cool. And also, your support means fate would make room for you in that canoe. Not much room. I mean, let's remember he meditates, so he's probably sitting up, so it's probably only half a canoe. But he would invite you in at least to sit with him for a moment. And hey, Matt... And resident alpha patron Lee, not only would Baba help remind you to lock your car, he'd make sure you didn't lock the keys in it. And if you did, he'd bash out at least one window with that spear to help you get him out. So, hey, what do these folks get for helping support the party of five? 
bonus podcasts like the Hunter's Party, where we rewatch Supernatural and homebrew some D&D content based off of the episode. Bonus video content like the Challenge of the Challenge ratings, a survival endurance contest where the party of five slogs through random monsters to see who can last the longest. Extra world lore on the countries where they're headed. Behind the scenes cutting room floor content and much more. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash gmdlcast to see how you can support. But hey, you know what? If you're not able to currently invest in the Party of Five, there is something you can still do to help out. Tell somebody about the show. Friend, family member, co-worker, tell them to give us a shot. One in five people choose their next podcast based off of the recommendation of a peer. One in five. Not having that would be like losing one of the party. It'd be like losing Eldrin. Without Eldrin, where would we get our basic, and I do mean very basic, understanding of wildlife and insects? Think about it. Either way, we absolutely appreciate you making time for us, participating in this adventure, and hope you enjoyed the show. 